chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. And we're back to the mindset. Man, I don't know how many mindsets we've given. What do you mean a mindset? Well, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then one of our other main texts for the last few uh, months now has been Romans 12, uh, verse 2. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by, by, by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. So i got to start renewing my mind to the Word of God. And, and the way I do that is, is I get the Word on me, and I begin to think on the Word, and I begin to meditate. Now, what we believe in our, our hearts is ultimately what we become, whether true or false, good or bad. And so just here for a little bit tonight, I want to talk about the difference between contentment and discontentment. Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord, get this, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it, now the question arises to me, what is the it right here? He who has it, he who has the fear of the Lord will abide in satisfaction and he will not be visited with evil. And so when I fear the Lord, guys, and I live with the reverential awe and a fear of God, he said three things that would happen. Number one, that we would experience life, that we would experience satisfaction, and we would experience protection. Now, in the uh, New International Version, it says that when we enter His rest by fearing Him, we will become content. Now, every time I read that in the New International Version, this is the thought. Only true contentment comes from Father God. True contentment will not come from any other arena. And so in saying that, I believe too many believers, guys, we're, we're heaven bound. We're on our way to heaven, but we're sure not enjoying the journey. And I'm not talking about a, a span of, of time, but I'm talking about the quality of existence while we're here on the earth. And a lot of that is because we live so discontent. I would be willing to bet if we went around the room and we asked people, how are you? Many people's response would be, right now, I'm really frustrated. I'm, really, I'm, I'm frustrated. Why? Because a lot of times our contentment is in the things of this earth. The things of this, if I just won that $550 million tonight. If I just had a new car. If I just, 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 oh, if I just had a better job. But once again, guys, my contentment can only come from God. Now, look into the New Testament in John chapter 14. John chapter number 14. And as you're turning there, let me just say this. Contentment isn't about an age. You know, I remember, you know, when you're 17, you think contentment will happen when I turn 18. That's, I'm going to be content. I just know. Or when I become 21, I'm gonna, life is, I'm going to be content. And you know, when you hit 18, and you hit 21, and you realize, this isn't quite what we thought it would be, just a lot more responsibility on me, and then we begin to get the, the, the mindset, well, when I'm 62, that used to be the day of retirement. Now, I don't even put 65 now, it's probably 70 now. But many times, we look at a date, we look at a year, and we think, that's it, but that's not Contentment's not about a dream. Contentment's not about a car. 
Contentment's not when I pay off my mortgage. Contentment isn't when I get all my kids out of college. And so, so many times we're always looking at those things. Every one of us. That that's our true view of happiness because that's how this world operates. John 14, uh, let's start in verse 25. John 14, 25. Jesus speaking here and he says, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I want to highlight this just a little bit. When, when Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the Helper, let me tell you, he was giving us insight here, we need a Helper. And the Scriptures say that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you guys, we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to be our helper. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, too many times in churches, it's, it's almost uh, eerie, spooky. Do, 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 you know, the twilight zone. But that's not how he is. The Holy Spirit was sent to help us, to assist us. And I believe one of the greatest prayers we can say every day is, Holy Spirit, I surrender today. I ask you to come and help me. Help me to be a godly man. Help me to be a great husband. Help me to be a, a great father. Help in whatever your occupation is. But we need to really begin to call on the Holy Spirit. Like I said, it's not eerie. It's something that, man, I'm going to tell you guys, I cherish the Holy Spirit. Nothing funny about him, okay? Keep reading here with me. Verse 27. Jesus said, let me back up just a second. Here's a thought for you. The only two times in the Bible that Jesus told human beings is they need a helper is back in Genesis, men, when he said, ah, oh, these guys, they need a helper. They're clueless. And then the second time, and that's when he created Eve, the wife, the second time was right here with the Holy Spirit. Now, in my life, I have the Holy Spirit, and I have the Holy Spirit Junior. And her name is S-H-E-L-L-Y. And I thank God. And I look as a man, I, I welcome any area of my life when Jesus said, you need help, then you know what, okay. I surrender, give me help. Give me help. That's just a thought, I'm kind of sidetracking there. Enjoy the journey, men. Understand this, that God created us, He knows what you need. Now, back to verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you, do I give to you. Now listen to what he goes on to say here. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let not. Now, the Amplified says, stop allowing, do not permit yourself. What? Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be afraid. The different translations said, don't let your heart be agitated, disturbed, fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled. Now, why do I read that? Because most of us, when we hear this, we say, I can't help it. But it's interesting right here that Jesus says to us, let not. Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, when he's telling us that, we don't have to live that way. And I believe part of the secret to that 
was what we talked about, the Holy Spirit. He'll help me where I don't have to live agitated. I don't have to live disturbed. And many times when people say, I can't help it, just think about this a second. You're at your home, and you are having a royal fit. You are having a tenter tantrum. You are in a rage. You're yelling and screaming. And I'm going to use me just for example. And I ring the doorbell. And Ian, who's in a fit, he opens the door and he goes, Pastor, praise the Lord. We're so glad. Bless the Lord. It's been such a great. I'm speechless. See, my point in sad and sane is when someone comes into our house, we say, I can't help it. That's, no, 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 no. We can help it. When certain people arrive in your life, you change automatically. You straighten up. So I believe even in this sense that, Jesus, yes, you can help it. You make that decision. And so when your life is dealing with discontentment, let me ask you tonight this. Who do you take it out on? Who do we take it out on? Because a lot of times that's what it's about. Now, to help us a little bit further here, go with me. Go back to your right to 2 Corinthians 3. And I just want to read one passage there. See, i got to quit living. 2 Corinthians 3 is where we're going. Quit living by my feelings. Quit living by excuses. And as you're turning there, we, we all hear this, this sometimes that just live content. Just live content. Well, I believe that's true in certain areas. But listen, a lot of times when we live that way, we get lulled into a life of satisfaction. And when I get into a, a, a level of satisfaction in my life, I become very mediocre. I become very lukewarm. Actually, I, I believe it's a state we would call normal. And when I get that way, it's almost like I'm self-absorbed uh, with just me. It's always about me. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't live un, uh, discontented. Live content, but there's a balance in there. Because let me ask you this. If you're content all the time, are you living in your full potential? No, not, not one of us are. Well, I'm as content as I'll ever be as a husband. Well, your wife might say... He's not even close to his full potential. And so what happens here is I can't use that as a crutch. Now look at, at 2 Corinthians verse number three, or chapter 3, verse 18. I just want to read this one one, and we're going to move on. But we all, with unveiled, fa unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. We reflect what we behold. And the transformation that goes on, guys. When I allow Jesus to start transforming me, there becomes a contentment within me that's based on what Jesus did. Not nothing I've done. But once again, I've got to allow the Lord to start transforming me. Turn over a couple pages to Philippians. Just keep going to your right. Philippians chapter 4. And let's, let's begin in verse 10 when you get there. See, every one of us in this room, guys, our discontentment can come because of our emotions. Our discontentment can come because of the day of the week. 
I tell you, I know people that when Monday comes around, oh my gosh, their life is horrible. And so what ends up happening? Guys, I can't allow these things to control me. Verse number 10, Philippians 4. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now get this. Not that I speak in regard to need or my, I'm implying need. For I have learned in whatever state or whatever circumstance I am to be content. Whatever state in life I'm in, I'm to be uh, uh, satisfied. Now, I believe the reason Paul was telling us this was his contentment wasn't based on material things. I'm going to show you that just in a minute. But if you'll look back in verse 11 at something he said. He said, I have learned. I have learned. You know what that tells me? It didn't just happen. And it didn't just take place because of age or time. He said, I have learned to be content. And so contentment is a learned behavior that I believe comes from the Holy Spirit. It's Him that bursts that in me. And if you live a life where you're always discontented, I mean, you may play golf and you become discontented with your clubs. Got to get another club. It's that driver. It's that, and I got to have another putter. See, I'm just using this analogy because as human beings, we're always looking at things to make me content. I'm going to tell you guys, things aren't going to make me content. Verse 12. Listen to Paul's words. I know how to be a base to live humbly. And I know how to abound to live in prosperity. Everywhere and in all things, listen, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer in need. Now, the key to how Paul learned all this is found in verse 13. What's it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he's telling me there, you know what? I may have a lot or I may have nothing, but whatever state I'm in, I can handle it because of Jesus. And once again, there's a process going on. Does God want me to be blessed and prosper? Yeah, but the transformation is this, that when I'm down here, I need to be content. Just say, I'm going to enjoy the journey. And when God blesses me and moves me here, man, I thank you. Thank you, Father God. That, woo, I'm right here, I'm right here. And then he keeps moving me up and it keeps moving me up. But if we're not careful, we use all our effort in the things of this world to be content. And I look back in my own life, and, and many of you may be experiencing this. Man, when me and Shelly got, got married, we lived down on Shoot 'em Up Boulevard. Man, I'm going to tell you, it, it was crazy. It's where the police lived every night. It was a little bitty, a little bitty trailer house, and I promise you guys, the hallway was so tight and narrow that both of you couldn't go down at the same time. I mean, is that, but you know what? When we got married, it was awesome for a couple months. And we got to move. We got to move. And man, we thought we had arrived. We moved into a two-bedroom apartment. But you know what? After a little while, discontentment came. 
And then we rented a house, and we rented a house, and you just begin to see. But yet, if I could, see, God's not against any of that. But the key is that I learn to live content in those things, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm at, that I can't always be, I want more, I want more, I want. Let God begin to move. Let him begin to work in us. Now, I want to read that whole passage in the message translation. Listen to what this says. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content. Whatever my circumstance, I'm just as happy with a little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy. Whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Now that's big. I encourage you to read that in this and let that get on the inside of you. He said, I found the key. I found, see, that's the same with every one of us. My contentment, guys, can only come from him. I'm going to tell you the things of this world, and I believe that's what happens in our society. We're always after the things, the things, the things. Now, I want you to go with me to one more. Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We we'll, we'll can stop tonight here maybe. give you some false hope here john chapter 5 see i believe jesus said in john 10 10 i died so that you can truly live life you can truly live life and the life he's talking about wasn't and where i live you know what i found out that that you can be some of you may be getting ready to go on a seven-day cruise some of you would say that's the will of god for my life Do you know what happens with that seven-day cruise? It comes and it goes. And in seven days, it's over. And then you have buyer's remorse. And then you begin to plot again and you begin... See, the point in saying all these things is I'm always looking to something to make me content. Let me tell you guys, when you do that, man, that's, that's the rat race. That's right. If you win the rat race, you know what that means? All it is is that you're the head rat. And so when we're always just trying to do those things, man, i got to quit doing it. And my sense of contentment, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And once again, God, I don't want you to think. And he's got it figured out. He's pretty sharp. But guys, I'm still working on this. And I found my, my greatest days are when I spend time with the Lord. And my greatest days are when I can fellowship with him. I just come in here and begin to, to, to let him love on me and just get in his presence and let God move in your life. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there's a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude. Now get that. Get that word. A great multitude. There was a bunch of them. Of sick people. Blind, lame, paralyzed. And they're waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool. And he stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first. After the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, that's great for that one. But what happens to the rest of them? 
And they leave frustrated. And they leave discontented. And they leave mad. And they're thinking, why didn't I get in there? Keep reading. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time. That's, that's older than some of you are in this room. That's a deep-seated and lingering disorder. Now when I read that about this guy, 38 years, you know what he is? He's the poster child for discontentment. 38 years of day after day after day after day. And see, a lot of times that's what happens to us. 38 years that we keep living for a certain event. And so Jesus strolls up here in verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, buddy, your luck is horrible. I feel for you. I feel for you. It's not right. Life's not fair. No, that's not what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said to him. Do you want to be made well? Now, it's a strange question. Do you want to be? Are you kidding me? 38 years and I've been in this predicament. And now the healer, the very source of life shows up. And he asked this dude, do you want to be made well? And I believe those are some of the same questions he asked us. Are you tired of living the life you've lived? Because in Jesus, I can have life in that more abundantly. I just got to start hanging out with Jesus. I start believing him and acting on the word. So he said, do you want to be made well? Now let me ask you that. If Jesus came in here tonight and you got some discontentment in you, some frustration, and he said to you, Ian, do you want da-da-da-da-da? What would your response be? <laughs> yes, he answered correctly. I mean, I would think that's how most of us, whatever your discontentment is, if he showed up tonight and he grabbed your hands. But look at this guy's answer here. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down to me. And so really, he lists all these excuses. I don't have anybody. I'm alone. People let me down. I don't have a chance. Now, when I read right here, when Jesus asked this guy here, it's a pretty good indication why this guy's still in this predicament. I don't know about you. But if I know this water is going to move, Ever so often, I don't know how it is. I don't care if I've got to crawl and get right there on the edge where three-fourths of my body's in there. And when that water starts rolling, man, I'm in. I'm in. But see, a lot of times in our life as believers, we sit here and we make excuses and we whine where yet the very source and the very contentment of our life, he said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. But so many times we either think, I got to earn it. I'm not good enough. I got to work for it. No. I mean, everything with Jesus, guys, he's already paid for it. He's already paid for it. So this is, this is my thought more and more here lately. 
I can either keep living by excuses and live discontent, or I can look at Jesus and say, all right. If I'm your workmanship, have at me. If you came to give me life, then I'm just going to walk in it. I'm just going to begin to live in it. And so look what happens here. I'll end with this. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. You know what I believe he's saying? Listen, buddy, get up, and let's get going. I don't want to see you here another 38 years. And so we can wallow around the rest of our life and live in a perpetual pity party. We can feel sorry for, woe is me, woe is me. But every time I read my Bible, I look and I think, Jesus died for the same thing for every one of us. I just got to learn to receive and say, okay, Lord, okay. My contentment is you. My contentment isn't off of things, guys. And as long as I have that mentality, I'm going to stay there. I believe the Lord even is saying this to us. It doesn't have to end this way. It doesn't have to end this way. You can receive it. You can live it. You can have it. But I've got to get to the place in my life where I understand this is what he died for. How do I, how do I, my faith, I just step out and start receiving. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, last night, stand on your feet with me. Last night we were in the freedom, the freedom class, and I encourage every one of you in here to go through that class. 